Welcome to the Nopalera podcast, a place where I share the journey of building my company from the ground up, as well as the stories of others in our community. I am your host, Sandra Velasquez, founder of Nopalera, a culture-forward brand that celebrates and elevates culture. Aside from making great products, we are cultural storytellers with a mission to inspire our community to stand in their worth. In this podcast, you will hear a mix of solo and guest episodes around the entrepreneurial realities of building a company. I launched Nopalera from my Brooklyn apartment with no outside funding while working three jobs, raising my child in the middle of the pandemic at the age of 44. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope it inspires you to live boldly. Yessi Downs does not mince words. I have been wanting to speak to Yessi as soon as I found out about her, which was through my friend Linda Garcia, who I've also had on this podcast. Yessi Downs is the creative director of Oxford Comic Collective, a Latinx-owned copywriting studio that is reshaping and decolonizing the way brands communicate and show up in the world. With a personal client roster that includes Uber, Dunkin', Burger King, and Samsung, Yessi's passion is to uplift marginalized communities and inspire them to build authentic for-the-culture brands. This interview is really up there for me with one of my favorites. So much knowledge is imparted. Anyone that's trying to build a brand, a company, your messaging is key to how you show up in the world. It is key to how people interact with you, how they feel about you, how they feel about themselves. But honestly, my favorite part of this episode is the advice that Yessi gives at the end. I'm not going to ruin it for you. You're going to have to listen all the way to the end. But this is really one that you'll want to listen to over and over. Hey, Yessi, welcome to the Nopalera podcast. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I can't wait to dive in. I love all of your content. I send it to all my friends. I'm like, look at her. This is the attitude that y'all need to be having. You know, I just love everything that your business stands for, the way that you talk about storytelling and copywriting and its importance. But I want to start from the beginning and tell me how, was there a moment in your life where you realized like, I'm good with words? Like, damn, I'm good. How did you know that this was your superpower? Like, when did that moment happen for you? I think I've had multiple moments where I was like, writing is my thing. Writing is my thing. I feel like a typical writer, when I was a kid, I was like reading. I remember (laughs) in elementary school, they would do like reading logs and you would win points for who read the most books. And I was just like eating the girlies up. Like I was just (laughs) reading books and reading books and reading books. They're like, just give me the trophy. I win. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I remember that one time they like thought that I was faking my reading logs because I was reading so many books. And my mom was like, no, I'm watching her read these books. Like she, she does reading. So that was kind of like the first time that I was like, I just love words. I loved reading. I wanted to read everything I could. My mom would drop us off at the library. So I always knew I loved reading. Like my sister would be on the computer and I would be like reading books. So I always knew I loved words. And then I remember in seventh grade in Florida, you have to take something called the FCAT, which is like the standardized testing, which is bullshit. But um, there was like a writing portion for it. And in my middle school, I was the only one who got it. The grading scale was one through five. And I was the only student in my school who got a five because I loved writing and I wrote a really good essay, I guess. And I was also part of the newspaper. And then I got to high school and Sandra, when I tell you that if there was a kind of writing available to me, I was doing it. I was in the newspaper. I was in TV production. They had a filmmaker's class. I was writing films. I was in the yearbook writing the little blurbs. Like if I could write it. And I didn't realize then that I was obsessed with writing, but now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, I really was doing the most. Like I was a thespian because I was writing plays. Like I was really just, Whatever writing I could do, I would do it. And so I think for me, it's just always been what I wanted to do. I like deviated a little, 
because I thought I was going to be a lawyer and we can get into that too. But, you know, I there's a lot of reading. Me, there's a lot of reading to be done when you're a lawyer. <laughs> if you like well, reading. That's, that had a huge part to do with it. And it's funny because now I think about all the things I loved and considered about law and they're still in line with what I do today. So it was just a you know different track that ended up not being for me. But yeah, I think multiple times in my life, I had that moment where I was like, oh, this is for me. And the real moment where I got into just like copywriting and doing it for a living, I guess this is where I tell you the story about me being a lawyer. So when I went to college, I was, if you would have asked me, I was going to be writing film, writing TV. Like that was the path I saw myself on. And then I got to college and I went to the University of Florida, which was a great school. I was very lucky. I got a full ride and I really enjoyed going to school there. But I went in as an English major. And when you go into anything as an English major, they tell you, you have to pick a track kind of. So the tracks were creative writing. So like storybook writing and things like that. Film, which is the one that I had chosen. And then law, those were the three tracks. But the way they position it to you is not creative writing, uh, film and law. It's starving artist, starving artist, or a lawyer. And I don't know <laughs> what possessed me because I had super, like my mom was supportive. My mom, if I would have wanted to be a starving artist, my mom would have been like, do that. But there was a part of me that was like, man, my mom has sacrificed so much, done so much that her whole family in Nicaragua to come over here. Who do I think I am being a starving artist, right? So it was just really like guilt that came from me. So I chose to go into, into law because I felt like there was a lot of reading and writing and I really loved rhetoric. You know, I even was like, I would love to write for the White House. So I was like, I can do rhetoric. I was doing debate team and all that stuff. So I, and like mock trials. So I enjoyed it. And then I joined the program called Guardian at Lightham, where I was basically the person who went into courtrooms for children who didn't have anyone to represent them in a courtroom. And I did that while I was in college and it changed my life. I was like, yeah, this I can do. I love doing this. I love helping people. I love using words to help people. And so I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to be the, the best lawyer I can be. And I did. I set myself up for success. I, I did my LSAT. I did all the things. I got into all the schools that I wanted to get into. And then life started lifing and my grandfather got sick and my family and I made some decisions to just, I put off law school, went back home and just helped my family. But my grandfather, he had Alzheimer's. So it was just you know, it was, it was a tough situation. And my mom, yeah, my grandmother had Alzheimer's. Yeah, it's tough. And I think even just like recognizing that someone has Alzheimer's takes a second because you're like, maybe it's just mm-hmm. old age. Maybe it's just forgetfulness, mm-hmm. right? It, it's also partially denial. Mm-hmm. But at that point, we knew he needed more care. So my mom really stepped in and stepped in as a caregiver for him. Mm-hmm. And I went to work and I was helping support my family. But in that time, I worked in a finance office. I I ended up doing accounting and all this stuff. Total detour. I hated it, but the money made sense. And so while I was there, I started working with some lawyers and I just, I hated them. I hated them. I didn't like what their lives looked like. And I was like, man, is that what my life is going to look like? And so I was like, "Mm -mm, I can't, it's not for me. It's not for me. And so I was like, I made the decision that I wasn't going to ever go back to law school then I was like, uh, well, fuck, what do I do? <laughs> I yeah. just set myself up for law school and now I'm <laughs> saying no to law school. But I was very lucky that I had a brother-in-law who had seen how much I loved words and reading and writing and that he knew that I was creative. And so when I was going through this moment in my life, I was like, what do I do? My brother-in-law was like, have you thought about copywriting? 
And when I tell you, I was like, I just told you I don't want to do anything with law. Why would I do, want to do things with copyrights? And he's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Copywriting. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, it's writing for advertising. You might really like it. And so he put me on to a place called Miami High School. And I'm from Miami, so it wasn't even like, it was a difficult place to look up or to go. And what's nice about Miami High School is that they let you try out a couple classes before you make the decision to go. And I sat in on the class called Short and Sweet. And it took me four seconds to be like, why the fuck didn't anyone tell me that this was an option? Because mm-hmm. I never wanted to write poetry. I never wanted to write books, but I loved writing. And I just didn't know mm-hmm. where the kind of writing I wanted to do fit in. And mm. then I discovered copywriting and I was like, wow, 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 wow. I just wasted four years of college because I could have just done copywriting and advertising and you know, but I signed up and I went back to school. I went back to school for copywriting and it was the best decision I made from then on. I'd just been writing my way through life. <laughs> and do you think, because what I'm hearing, like the thing that you liked about writing, you know, when you thought you were going to be a lawyer is this aspect that you could help people with words, you know? Yeah. And when you think about being a lawyer, you're thinking, I want to change the world. I want to help people. I want to fight for people. Right. Yeah. That's why you do it. Right. Like that's the passion behind it. You love the law. You love justice. So what I'm hearing is like when you discovered copywriting as a profession, as an art form, you're like, oh, you know, because you're like, I don't want to write poems. Like, what does that do for people? Right. Like, but if you can write words, if you can use your skill set, the power of words to propel people forward, like that's a match made in heaven. Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. And do you feel like going back to like when you were like a kid in high school and like you were writing, did people reinforce your talents or they were, were they like, wow, yes, see, this is really good, you know? Like, did they reinforce or were you doing it, like, against odds or were people, like, recognizing your talent even then? I think I was very lucky, and I always say this, but I was very lucky. I had the best English teachers. And very early on, I was in, like, advanced language arts. And then I started, I switched into, like, AP classes, and I had the best teachers. I was, I took every potential writing class that I could while I was in school, and my teachers were so good about being like, oh, next year, take this writing class or do this with your writing or, okay, I know you've done this kind of writing, maybe try this. I had the best TV production teacher who, while I was in TV production, would let me write scripts. And then he put me into filmmaker courses. So I was very lucky that I was always reinforced to write and to read. And my mom, you know, outside of school, my mom was always like, she loves reading, let's take her to the library. She loves to write that's helped her write. Like she was always super supportive. So I was always very reinforced in my skill awesome. and in, in, in perfecting my craft for sure. Do you feel like, you know, you, we all talk about like the zone of genius, like everyone should just focus on their zone of genius, understand what their strengths are. Do you feel like writing, like copywriting, it just kind of flows through you? Like it comes easily to you? Yeah. I talk about this a lot because as you know, I have a team, right? And yeah, I, you know, I think everybody has struggles as a business owner. My struggle as a business owner is that I can teach everyone the fundamentals of copywriting, but I feel that there is a, an inherent intuition that not mm-hmm. everyone has that you can't teach. Mm-hmm. And I feel that I have that. I feel that I can meet people and connect with them very quickly and kind of get a sense of who they are and their desires. And I can put that into words because I, I love words so much, but I think that's not easy to teach, right? I, I, you know, mm-hmm. how do you teach intuition mm-hmm. to someone? You can't you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been very lucky to have that. And I think it's the reason why I've been able to write copy that feels impactful and that moves mm-hmm. people and that converts people for so long. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward to the present here. So now the Oxford comma, you have a team. How many people are on your team? 
So we actually scaled back. I made a conscientious decision to scale our team back. And now we are, we have a team of writers, but we also have, you know, proofreaders and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that you shouldn't just be one writer doing it all. That's how you miss things. That's how you put blinders on and you don't get other perspectives. So we currently have six writers bringing on two new ones. And then obviously the rest of my team. So all in, I think we're 17 people. That's big. That's pretty big. (laughs) And is everyone together or are you guys remote? Everyone is remote. Everyone is a contractor. Cool. So now let's talk about the present day and the brands that you like to work with. Is there any vertical that you don't like? Like, don't come to me if you're a fintech or don't come to me if you make dog food. I don't know. Like, is there any, any kind of like category or vertical that you, that you just don't really feel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. And I think that's a big reason why we operate the way we do and we haven't niched down. I think there's a part of me that is obsessed with learning. And every time I get a new type of client, I get to learn that entire thing Mm -hmm. and I get to become an expert in it. So I love that. If I'm honest, I think the place where I struggle the most to write for is for coaches, for business coaches. Mm. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I need to feel aligned with what you're offering. And I think a lot of the time Mm. what I'm seeing is just a lot of copying and pasting. And if I feel that I'm Mm. given, the reason we operate the way we operate is I say no to a lot of people. And if I'm being honest, the majority of the people that I'll say no to are coaches. And it's because Mm -hmm. I need to see, it's the way that I feel about my business, right? Like I want to add value. I want to do something different. I don't Mm want to just give you something that you can Google, something that you can find on the internet. I want to give you something that's going to shift your perspective and change your fucking life. And yeah. if I'm not seeing that in your business, then I struggle with it. And not that, you know, I'm not going to blanket statement coaches because there are some coaches who are incredible and so smart mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. savvy. But I think it's an oversaturated market, if I'm being honest. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes they come to me with like, here's what I'm doing. It's completely new. And I'm like, it's actually not. not. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I feel like it's just like someone trying to make money versus someone actually trying to help people. Then mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I won't be able to do that. Yeah. So when should a brand start to work on their messaging? Like, let's say I'm starting from the beginning. I'm going to create a brand. It's called No Bailera. It's going to be with Cactus. It's going to have this aim to be elevated, etc. When do I come to you to start working on my messaging while I'm designing? After I'm done designing, once I'm out into the world, before everything, tell me. So the answer is immediately, right? And even what you said right now, <laughs> the name is Lopalera. It's all mm-hmm. those things, that's messaging. And I think that that's what people don't understand is something that has happened in the industry is that we have labeled brand design as branding. So people don't understand that branding is actually start to finish. And the, the foundation of that branding is your messaging, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you need to hire a copywriter out the gate. In fact, I often reject people who come to me too soon because I never want them to make this big investment when their business is still shifting and pivoting and they're still doing all this Mm -hmm. learning. Like I I don't take on people who are in their first year of business unless they've had a business and have learnings and have a clear understanding. But there are so many people who are just starting and I mean, DIY, but do it. That's why I put out all these resources Mm -hmm. because I won't take you on as a client, but I still think you should start building a brand voice. You should start working Mm -hmm. on that positioning, that vision, that mission, that purpose, that promise, all those elements that are so fundamental to your brand. You should start creating those on your own. And as you understand your audience better, as you decide who you want to work with, who you don't want to work with, then you come to a copywriter to finesse that, to get that in line, Mm -hmm. get you exactly what you need, someone who's an expert. 
but messaging is immediate. Even when you work with a designer, the questions that they ask you are about your messaging. Mm -hmm. And so the clearer you can be on that, the better. But I think that's a huge misconception and misunderstanding in the industry where people think that branding is just design. And it's such a miss Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the times you end up with like pretty design that is okay. Or it's a really hard time for the designer because they're designing off really broad brand strokes, right? And that's just not the best way to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, cause I hear what you're saying, right? Like if a brand doesn't know like who they are yet, what they really stand for, like what is their true brand DNA? You need to figure that out first, right? Otherwise they're going to waste your time. They're going to waste their time. They're going to waste their money. So if you've already had a business and you understand those kind of fundamentals of brand building, then maybe you can come and be like, okay, I've done this before, but now I'm in a different category. I know what to do. Like, help me. Yeah. But for the people that are just starting, because I mean, I also talk to a lot of founders who like, this is their first time. They're starting a brand for the very first time. They're very passionate, right? So there's a lot that they can do on their own, right? Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like, have you like laid out, like, is it on your website? And obviously we're going to put all of your links in the show notes of like, go through these exercises to really hone in on who you are first test it with your people, make sure that it is really what you think it is, and then come to you to refine, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So we don't have steps, but our freebie, which is the element of adult brand voice, we literally give you every single piece of a brand voice that we create and we explain what each one is. And the whole point of having that freebie is so people who are just starting out can take that and say, okay, I'm not an expert, but I can figure out what each of these elements are for my business right now. Mm -hmm. And then once I'm ready... I'll have someone finesse it and make it feel more structured and make it feel more aligned and more streamlined. But for right now, I can at the very least start thinking about what each of these elements is and how I can really build it out. Because I think that that's what everyone needs. So that's why I created it as a freebie because I'm not going to gatekeep that. But I do make sure that all that information and and every step there is what we create for our clients. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can create a version of that for yourself when you're starting out. How long does it take? Like if someone is ready, right? They've already done the research. They understand who they are, who their customer is, what their brand represents. And now they come to you. They're like, okay, yes, see, like I need you and your team to help me refine this messaging to like spread it out across all of the different communication, like how we talk to customers, how we talk to investors, how we talk to retailers, how we talk on social, et cetera. How long is that process for you and your team to create that messaging build out refinement? So for us, it's five weeks, which is fast. But what we create is a foundational, it's a baseline foundational document for you. Mm-hmm. And then the goal of that document, it's about 75, 85 pages, but it's not pages, it's slides. But what you're able to turn that into is you're able to pull and use it as a foundation for any other communications. And I tell this to everybody, mm-hmm. people come to us and they're like, this is my budget. I want you to write my copy. I'm like, well, you don't have a brand voice. Your messaging isn't in place. You haven't nailed down your audience. So Mm -hmm. let us do that for you and then go find someone else to fit within the budget. That's okay because the whole point of that brand voice document is that then anyone else who is a writer should be able to write for you. Anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. So five weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's fast, but it's also... I've seen some people who try to turn it around faster. I mean, I think that that's great because it takes time, right? Because you need to understand like, what is this brand? Who is your customer? And it's something that ideally, yes, right, the brands do once, right? Obviously, you can refine, like maybe as you go and you learn, maybe the market changes, your consumers change. But like, this is like you're writing a Bible. The Bible does not change. Yes. That's why I say there's so many people who are starting out that they should wait because nine times out of 10, people who do it year one, 
if you uh, even most of us, if I look at what I was doing year one, if you look at what you're doing year one, you see how it shifted. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously some people come in super clear and they stay there. Like I think I've been pretty clear on where we stood, but still we've shifted. And mm-hmm. most people do in your first year, in your first two years, you learn so much that shifts that nine times out of ten you will end up redoing it because you change so much. And that's why mm-hmm. I think it's super important to just like take the learnings at the beginning mm-hmm. and apply them. But yeah, the the goal is that you do this once, and yeah, you'll change little words or tweak little things that's okay it's a living breathing document yeah but it shouldn't be you know how people rebrand every two years that's not what Mm -hmm. your brand voice is Mm -hmm. supposed to be it's one and done for all intents and purposes yeah i love it so now i want to close out with just some like rapid fire questions here what is the best piece of advice you have ever received i think the best advice that i have received is about sending back down the elevator it's just learning. Everyone gatekeeps learning. It's part of the ways that they have kept us, people who are like us, who look like us, who were raised like us. It's how they keep us out through, by gatekeeping education. And so a long time ago, someone said, you're only as valuable as what you give back, right? And you have to reach back. You can't just reach up. You have to reach back. And so that, to me, has always stuck with me. It's something that I learned very, very early And I think that for me, it's been super important for two reasons. One, I think a lot of us, when you're Latinx or when you're a child of an immigrant, you watch your parents just like hustle. You watch them just like, honestly, struggle through life. And then you learn that that's the way you're supposed to do things. And it makes you hesitant to ask for help. I was that Mm -hmm. way. I was like, also, I have five Virgo placements, so that's a whole other reason. But (laughs) I, you know, I, I watched my mom thug it out and I was like, she did it. Two kids, single mom, no family, didn't know the language. Who am I to ask for help? So it creates that that idea in your mind that you got to just hustle through it. But really, when you open up and you ask for help, it changes your world. And now that I'm in a position to offer help, I do that because I know that everybody who needs help isn't necessarily asking for it. So for mm-hmm. me, that was just such good advice because it's, it leads so much of what I do. Mm-hmm. So send the elevator back down. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Can you describe to me your perfect day? Yeah. I'm, it's funny because I think most people who meet me would say that I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually not. I'm incredibly introverted and I'm a homebody. And I think a perfect day for me is like waking up nice and early, going to grab a croissant and coffee with my husband and then going to the park with our dog and then having a nice lunch somewhere and then coming home and then just snuggling, watching TV, watching a really good show, like a succession or a flea bag or just something super well written and then just falling asleep by 9 p.m. (laughs) I love it. I love that it did not involve work because sometimes I've asked people this question and they're like, yeah, and then I work. I'm like, your perfect day involves work? No, for me, there's no work. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, love, I, I love that you're like, we walked, we ate, we slept. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me, what is it that you want to be remembered for? You would think I would have thought of this question, but I, I think I don't necessarily care to be remembered. And I think most of us won't be remembered. But I think if people do remember me, I hope that it's that they remember me as someone who supported them. Right? Like, I, I always want to be remembered as a person who is there for people. And I think that's a foundational part of my business is I want to be a support system. I want to be 
that person who's boosting other people up. And so if I'm remembered for anything, I hope it's just for lifting people up. I love it. Yassi, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This was great. I'm so glad we got to do this. Yes, I'm so glad it finally worked out. Thank you for being here with us. Remember to leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening from. Spread the word so we can impact and grow the community. If you are an entrepreneur looking for more real talk and resources, you can join my entrepreneurial newsletter from my personal website, sandralilavelasquez.com. But also visit nopalera.co to pick up your favorite self-care items for yourself and your loved ones. Join the Nopalera mailing list to be the first to hear about new products, exclusive promos. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at nopalera.co. Stay resilient.